everyone, Minister Brian Samuelapati here, and I'm so happy to have you guys back. Whew, what a wonderful uh, last number of weeks it's been, going over different apologists and just talking about like the lives and the things that shaped the people we come we come later on to respect and value as wonderful and incredibly influential figures in church history. I think part of the motivation that I have as I share this is that we often forget that Christianity had its roots in a very in very different contexts, far removed from the ones we are in right now. Uh, not just spatially or geographically, but also chronologically with time, and as far as time is concerned. Um, and I think it's always important to, to, to learn and relearn some things again and again and again. And that's one of the main motivations that I have, that we have here at Still Moments of Jesus, uh, with going over some of these important points in church history. Uh, so that even for those who do not know much about the church or its inception or uh, its earliest followers and earliest ministers and earliest leaders can learn something new that they haven't known about before that they themselves would also love to um, or maybe you would love to know about and think about um, and we thank you so much for just joining us and just being with us now today's episode on uh, Christian apologists is going to be the final one for this season as we brace ourselves for the next season please remember to like share subscribe and yeah if this has been a blessing to you please feel free to just reach out to us and just talk to us um, I'd love to go into this a little bit further, but I'd, I sincerely want to talk to you all about our final apologist. He's not a traditional apolo apologist in any, in, any sense of the, in any true sense of the word, but in some ways his life does reflect the life of an apologist. Um, we touched on the basics of what an apologist is, a Christian apologist is. It's someone who defends the faith, right? And oftentimes someone, I think we've been conditioned to think that it just means that it's going to be more of a defensive position, right? Like, like within, in a court, within the context of a court case where someone has to defend their position constantly uh, to prove that either they were right or they were wrong or to prove um, a point that was made or to uh, get their way uh, with, with a particular, in a particular issue or with a person or with a thing or whatever that entity is oftentimes we think of defense in the in a very defensive um, way it's us trying to protect ourselves protect who we are protect our identities protect our egos all that right but something i hope you learn is that christian apologetics is not necessarily a defense per se in that in that way that we've come to know defense but Christian apologetics is concerned with the offensive, which is going in and proactively showing what Jesus, what the gospel is about. Um, it is not about political positions. It is not about uh, someone else's wills or desires. This is about God. This is about God's kingdom. If it's political, it's about God's kingdom. Uh, and in the sense that God's called us to share his love with everyone, to share the good news of Jesus with everyone, to share his His kindness, to help others who have not known him know him. Uh, 
and in that way it is somehow political it is it is a destruction and and, and de-establishment of orders that have existed so that the creation of new ones can be made this is the foundation of what the church looks like and as i promised last time with uh, christian apologetics that the last person that i would, I would tackle on the series will be someone from the text and would you believe it this is going to be none other than thomas the apostle and disciple of jesus christ now something to keep in mind about thomas we know he is one of the twelve one of the original twelve that jesus called thomas is also someone we uh, have come to use expressions expressing uh, doubt right so someone when someone says don't be a doubting Thomas you know they're saying hey don't be a doubter uh, when someone says hey don't be a Thomas you know don't be don't be someone who's doubting right or if someone says don't be you know like don't be a Thomas in, a, in another sense they could also refer to uh, someone trying to require someone trying to ask for tangible evidence of some things and I think there's a little bit of both in Thomas's life uh, as we read in the text in the New Testament that could very well align with what you've already known right about Thomas and about doubt and about belief I'd say Thomas's Thomas's uh, story is fascinating because of a few things one if you go to the Gospel of Matthew uh, towards the very end uh, when Jesus is blessing and you know assigning what is known as a great commission uh, to go out into all the world and minister the, and preach the gospel, you know, and Jesus assures that he's going to be with his disciples till the very end of the age. Um, there's a little note made in the gospels that's in that gospel in Matthew that says some worshipped, some you know fell down and worshipped worshipped him, but others doubted. Um, another important gospel and John for instance John does mention how um, Thomas struggled with the idea that Jesus had risen and doubted his own uh, believers his own sorry his own, his own fellow brothers his fellow disciples and said no until I see it and feel it I don't believe it, uh, which kind of has a rhyming scheme to it, if you think about it. Um, and that's something to keep in mind. I think some of us also kind of see ourselves in Thomas, and that's not a bad thing. I think I think for those of you who've heard this from others saying that, no, you kind of have to like swallow the whole faith wholeheartedly and just take it, don't question, don't doubt it, is a very wrong, it's pretty much a very wrong approach to understanding the text. Because if the text can acknowledge that some of the disciples doubted, even when they saw Jesus physically in front of them, I think as we see ourselves a bit in Thomas, who doubted and asked for evidence, then we wouldn't be surprised by his reaction when he actually sees Jesus, who appears in, in the midst of the disciples and, and wishes them peace. So notice, Jesus does not come in attacking the disciples. He does not come in attacking Thomas about this. He wishes Thomas peace, shalom, uh, as they would say in Hebrew in Jesus' time. So in wishing Thomas peace, 
And Thomas exclaiming, my Lord and my God. Thomas, and this is after Thomas gets the invitation from Jesus, who says, hey, Thomas, come here. Reach into my arms, into my, into, reach into my hands, see the scars, reach into my side, see where they speared me. And don't doubt anymore, but believe. And Thomas exclaims, my Lord and my God. There's actually an exclamation point in the, in the Gospel of John on that point. Uh, if you read in the Greek. So, Thomas out of all the disciples. So, Thomas second to, I'd say, arguably second to Paul. Went the furthest of all the disciples. Now, he didn't go about arguing the faith. But he went about ministering and preaching the gospel after his encounter with Jesus and it gives a lot of context for how John begins his gospel in the book of first John so I'll, I'll, I'll invite you here uh, dear listeners dear viewers to go back to the gospel of uh, not the gospel but the letter of first John and read the first chapter and read especially that introduction the first five ten verses and pay attention to what John says in that particular text because it is very vital to understanding what happened um, after Jesus' encounter with his disciples and Thomas touching and reaching in to like feel Jesus' wounds. And it's incredible to... To see what Thomas does. Well, you do not have any literature on him. Thomas goes as far to minister the gospel, as far as India, the farthest of all the disciples. So remember, this is Jesus, you know, when you're reading about the Great Commission, and you see a little of it discussed in the book of Acts, the first chapter, Jesus talks about, you know, ascending at Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the outermost parts of the world. Thomas is one of those that goes to the utmost parts. Now, this speaks to Thomas's experience with Christ translating into how he understood the mission. Now, the only other person to do something similar is Paul. But you have to remember, Thomas was not on the same level ad academically educated as Paul was. He wasn't trained as Paul was. Thomas merely followed Jesus and after spending time with him and actually and after having these experiences with him and seeing what he saw felt what he felt went as far as India Paul never interacted with Jesus on, in the flesh when, before he ascended but meets Jesus on the road to Damascus for three to four years decides he's not going to preach or do anything related to, the, related to uh, his own religious Jewish tradition, but instead backs away and goes into Arabia and stays quiet for three to four years after his encounter with Jesus. And only after that does he begin to preach the gospel among both the Gentiles and the Jews. Not just that, Paul, before the time he before the time of his death, had planned to go as far as Spain to preach the gospel. 
Now, I've heard some people have like all types of theories about like what the, what the world would probably have looked like if Paul made it to Spain versus what the world would have looked like if some of the disciples actually got as far as they did. You have to remember, Matthew made it down to Ethiopia, still close enough to where Israel and Palestine are. Paul went to, Paul was planning to go to Spain, still close enough, but not as far as India. Thomas went the extra mile. To this day, Thomas is celebrated in his own special holiday in India. And that, <laughs> that's something to just keep in mind. As a saint, remember he's martyred in India when he goes to preach there. There's conflict, conflicting accounts about how he probably died. Some believe he was speared to death, surrounded by spears and skewered to death. Some believe he was thrown off the top of a very tall temple, very huge temple, and led to and, and left to die. We do not know which is which, but there are two accounts on his possible death, murt uh, possible martyrdom. What I want you to take away from this, as you listen to this, is not. that um, Thomas just merely went out and preached and Thomas like kind of went the extra mile and did what he did but that we should pursue in our walks even for those of you who are still searching for the truth for those of you who are still learning we should constantly push to understand what our faith entails because that is what John describes in the same book of first John but in the fifth chapter he describes the faith that has overcome the world. Now, I have studied many religious traditions, and many, many, many faith traditions. I've been exposed to them, I've interacted with them. But I've never heard that statement anywhere else but in the Bible, that this is the faith that overcomes the world. Let's have that time as we desire to become apologists, as we desire to make the most of our lives, as we desire, as we desire to make the, the most sense of faith, and our faith particularly in Jesus, let's desire to find that time to see him as he really is. It may not necessarily be in the biggest things, it may not necessarily be in the smallest things. It could be as simply, it could simply be as in every breathing moment that we have so take that time pray that he shows you who he is pray that he shows you what it looks like to live a life committed to him fully devoted one that is not uh, led by distractions or that is not swayed left and right by anything else any other winds of doctrine as Paul would say but pray that you find a faith that leads you to truth, the truth of Him. We live in a world of so many voices, so many opinions, so many questions, so many um, so many quote-unquote truths, so many understandings of what life is, what truth is, what everything is. What I'm calling you to, and what I believe Jesus is calling us to, is to know him and I, I believe Paul St. Paul put it really well I desire to know him and the power of his resurrection Christ crucified and the power
power of his resurrection. That's it. That's, that's simply it. And I pray that allows you, in your own way of ministering, whether it be actions, as St. Francis of Assisi said, preach the gospel. And if you have to, use words. Or if it'll be in the same vein as like Paul, where you actually go and preach and write and share with so many. Whatever you do, remember, the whole realm of Christian apologetics exists for the purpose of blessing another and helping them come to faith. And not just come to faith, but also to think and reflect on the very truths that make our lives worth living. So blessings to you guys. Can't wait to see you next season. And thank you so much for just staying with us. May you be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen.